you know, I told God this morning, I said, make me sensitive to the presence of your spirit. Make me tender. Like, let me, let me be receptive to what you're doing. And then I can't stop crying. I said, okay, I get it. I get it. I, I, time out. <laughs> time out. Time out. <laughs> I need to be able to get up there and preach, right? Like, so um, I, I just feel like there's, there's, there's a presence here. And of course, I'm biased, right? But I, I do feel like God is doing something special. Hopefully, you're experiencing the same thing. We're going to continue the sermon series title covered, as you can see in the back. And last week we talked about the winning and how everybody loved winning. And I think one of the reasons why I think I feel the, the, the way that I feel is that today we're going to be talking about the wonder, the wonder. Um, you may be asking, what is this thing wonder? And in and, and, and the noun definition of the word wonder, and, and, and Ivan um, touched on this during our family night this past Friday, it's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration. Caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. We have somehow assumed in our lives that whenever the word wonder is involved, it's related to some kind of waiting period, which is the action side of that word, not the noun side of that word. Where it's a place of, of, of not knowing really what's going on or, or, or I'm wondering if God is doubt. It's not really admiration. We've taken the verb of that word and really applied it to the life of our lives and almost forgetting in a way the noun aspect of that, bird, of that word. We, we, we don't think about the wonder of God as it relates to our lives and what he's doing with us and the seasons that we're living. I, I think of this and I think, can you imagine all the creative ways that God has to go through in order to give us these bite-sized portions of the things that he's trying to give us in our lives. The things that he has to go through to not give us the full package of the blessing of all he wants to do for us simply because you and I are just simply not ready for it. I remember my call to ministry. It's one of those wondering moments. I was literally in a, in a, um, a criminal justice program for a year and a half in, in, in CPCC. I wanted to be in law. I was going to be in Congress. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to be something. So I figured I'm going to join the criminal justice program, start, out, start off as a cop, and then work my way into politics. You would have voted for me, right? <laughs> the first Puerto Rican president. I'm, I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's right. 2024, baby. No. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> That's not on here. I just, I went. My wife was sitting here. She would be like, "Stop, <laughs> cut that out." Uh, oh, geez. The people in the podcast will never understand this when they listen to it later. So, I'm in this criminal justice program, and I'm, I'm, you know, my parents weren't able to pay for my school. I, I'm, I'm paying for school myself, so I'm working almost like a third shift job. Then. Uh, or I don't know what shift it was. It was late. It was early in the morning. So I would go to work around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning um, and then finish my day around 3, 4 o'clock. And then I would go home, um, get ready for school. And my school would start at 6.30 and I would go from 6.30 to 10.30 at night. And I was just doing this constantly, living by myself, paying for my own apartment and just kind of in the grind, working really hard in my life. And, and I was just kind of tired, done with it, just didn't want anything to do with it. This is my story, and I know it's, it's going to sound funny. It's, it it kind of sounds a little cliche now that I, I repeat it, but I think there was wonder in the calling. It's just I walk into my brother, and I were renting a townhome in Charlotte, and I walk in late that night after school. I still have my backpack on, and I walk into my room, and 
And I remember like today, I, I, I'm, I'm like, God, what is this all about? You know, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I feel empty. I feel like there's something missing here. And I take the, the, the remote of my TV and I turn it on. <clears throat> and guys, I kid you not, there's a TV evangelist on the TV. <laughs> exactly. It sounds funny, right? <laughs> You're probably thinking of a bunch of names. It's, it sounds funny, but it, it's my story. <laughs> um, the TV evangelist points at the TV and says, college student watching me right now. Seriously, I'm not, this is my, you, you think I'm making this up. It's really my story. He said, TV, uh, college student that, that's watching me right now, you need to stop what you're doing and pursue the call God has placed over your life. In my room, I feel to my knees right there by myself, crying. You know what I'm saying? No, nobody will be able to prove me wrong on this story, only God, because I was there all by myself. Still have my backpack on me, literally fall on my knees. The very next week, I cancel my classes, join the Bible seminary program, and then go on this journey with God a bite-sized portion, the beginning of something that was going to turn out to be something else in the future. But it required that first step. It required me understanding that there was a wonder to that moment. That there was a moment of admiration in that small segment of what happened in my life. As the people of Israel go into the wilderness to journey with God, God wanted to do a, th a ton of things for them. But he first needed to prepare them for the things that he was going to give them, the things that they were going to experience. And I'm going to say here this morning that we too can find some level of admiration to the bite-sized portions of the things that God is doing on our lives in our daily basis. And what you're living tomorrow, what you're living in the next hour, the next 30 minutes of your life, there's a bite-sized portion of God's purpose in it, and we can find his wonder in it if we just pay attention. The question isn't, isn't why are the wonders of God not happening in our lives? It's why are we not seeing them? What is keeping us from being able to be that visionary follower of Christ that says, man, God is up to something special in my life. And I'm not just going through this just to go through it. In chapter 19, we see the preparation of God with his people. And he starts to work on this life agreement with them. And we're in the book of Exodus. In chapter 19, we see God just kind of begins this life agreement with his people. And he first starts with the wonder of the covenant, the wonder of his covenant. And th this covenant was based on the fact that God has chosen the people of Israel for a special relationship with him. And he wanted those people to have a special relationship with him as well. It was twofold. You know, the, 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 this, this, this covenant is it's called a, a formal binding agreement, a pledge between two parties, like marriage, with no prenups. You're coming together and making an agreement that you are going to get a benefit out of this, I'm going to get a benefit out of that, and we're in a one common purpose, going to head towards a different direction or a certain direction. God desires a relationship with us. I'll say that again. God desires a relationship with you. The question is, do we desire a relationship with God? Or are we just in it for the benefits? In some cases, the way some Christians live their lives, you would think that God should have had them sign a prenup. <laughs> because in one way, we take all the benefits of that relationship and not follow through with the things that God wants us to do. 
the, the, the covenant included how they would experience that blessing. The blessing of God could be found in so many things. I always, as a kid, would say, you know, a pastor would say in front of me and say, breathe. That's God's blessing. And I'm like, bro, seriously? Like, you know, but it's true. You know, one of the things that I love uh, about getting older is that I, I get to appreciate things at a different level. The things that didn't make that much sense to me or did, I didn't think matter so much to me do matter a ton now. You know, I see more of God in everything. You want to know why you don't have a million dollars in the bank? Because you're not ready for it. You're like, ah. I didn't even want a million dollars. But God has taken us all through a process. God activates this covenant with his people. Let's read Exodus chapter 19, verse 6 to 8. It says, and you will be my kingdom's priest, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. Listen to this. This is crucial. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answers back to the Lord. What an amazing two-sided two commitment we see here. We see the people of God accepting the challenge or the duty given to them by their Lord. Could you imagine just being on the same page with God for just one second? You're like, I am on the same page with God. Then why are we living life like we're living? Then why is it so difficult to comply? God says, my burden is easy. You're like, yeah, right. God is explaining to Israel how they will play a part in God's plan and even other nations by being these leaders. Pretty much telling them, you'll be responsible for bringing people to me. It's an unselfish approach. Everything that happens good in your life that comes from God is there to affect not only you, but someone else. God didn't call me to ministry to preach the word of God just so I could benefit and I could feel some kind of personal glory to myself. No, he knew there would be people involved in the mix. It's like he's trying to kill two birds with one stone with your purpose. Not kill, kill is a bad reference, right? He's trying to like bring up other people, I guess. I don't know that there's another saying that doesn't go that way. It has an unselfish approach. And you may think, okay, well, God says these things. You're going to do what I need you to do, and how are you going to do it, and all this good stuff. But then Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, it tells us how they will do these things. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. In order to experience the wonder of God in our lives, it's going to take some preparation. Listen, the reality is you're going to have to walk away from some things. You're going to have to keep some things. You're going to have to emphasize on others. There's going to be a requirement. The word consecrate means in there that there's a process of sanctification. It means the word consecrate means association with the sacred. When you enter that biting contract with God, you're literally associating yourself with the sacred, with the holy God, with one that's going to require something from you. And you may say, Moises, no, 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 no. 
This is all freely giving. And I would, have, I would agree to that. But the reality is that there's going to be sacrifices that are going to take place that you're going to be responsible for doing on your own. With God's direction, of course. You are being set apart for something. Do you believe that? Please, as you sit there today, you say, my life is not that important. Listen to me. You are being set apart for something. There is a wonder to experience, an admiration to acknowledge in your process. Hear me out when I tell you this. You know, when God called me to full-time ministry, 12 years later after that decision had been made, my wife and I are sitting there. I call her from a hotel in Myrtle Beach at a pastor's conference. I'm in some floor up there. And I call her at 1030 at night. Because my, my, my heart is just being stirred. I was the director of purchasing for a company that I had been working for. I was doing logistics for 10 plus years. And I'm like, is this it? I was doing active ministry, youth ministry, kids ministry, young adults ministry, preaching. I remember one year I preached 22 Sundays of the year in a big church. I'm like, I'm active, God. I don't need to go to full-time ministry. Why? My family lives good. Yes, I'm working super hard. I get it. I'm always busy, but it's working out. And in that hotel room, I feel it. I'm by myself. You know, the per first person I have to call, you know, my Holy Spirit buddy, my wife, okay? And I, I, I call her at 1030 at night, and I said, Rosie, I think I have to go into full-time ministry. This is it. She starts crying. Oh, we're crying. We're crying, people, all right? If you don't like to watch a man cry, this is <laughs> you picked the wrong school. No. <laughs> Anyways. And I told her. So we knew. You know, you know, people don't get into this full time to be wealthy, right? Can we be honest here? It's the reality of this. I'm not knocking on that. It's just... When God calls us to this, that's the way it goes. So my wife and I, after having these amazing jobs, we're sitting, I'm sitting there doing numbers like, I think we could do it. Well, we have to do it. God is calling us to do it. So there must be something about this. There's a preparation process as God is calling you to do something that some wonder could be found in it. You want me to? I, don't, I can't even explain to you how we would need to sit down for hours to talk about it. Not because of the church. I have made more money with my wife since I took the full-time job position because of the businesses I was affiliated with and the royalties they began to pay me and the counseling fees they began to pay me since I took my full-time ministry position. And here we were getting ready for the crash. Yeah, it's cut down. Here we go. I looked at her, I said, you ready to cook? It's going down seven days a week. You know, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'll even pitch in, but it's not going to be great. In this process, knowing, knowing he can't possibly make everything available to us, God says you're not ready yet. That's not a negative thing. Just because today you're not ready for that blessing of God or for him to tell you how good it's going to be once you make that decision, that shouldn't come across to us as a negative thing from God. 
As the people of Israel experience the wonder of the covenant with God, this particular plan for their lives, God lays out boundaries and parameters for them to follow. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 12, 21 to 22, 21 and 22, it says, he says that, that, that God tells Moses, mark off boundaries all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Look at this. This is God beginning a contract with his people, and yet there's restrictions. There's preparation. There's instructions of some sort of separation. They weren't ready to experience the fullness of God. He says, he warns the people, be careful. Do not go up to the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. Verse 21 says, then the Lord told Moses, go back down and warn the people again. Not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near the Lord must purify themselves so that the, the Lord does not break out and destroy them. The point of the matter is that the wonder of his covenant with us is a beautiful plan that requires a ton of effort on our part. But that shouldn't be bad news. God is only asking you to, you think God has the, the ability to pick me up and take me somewhere? Right? He has the ability to make me think a certain way. Would we agree? But you have a part to play in it. And he, he, he puts himself in that boundary with you. He literally does that. Not because he can't. You know, a lot, a lot of the arguments I have, I have uh, you know, uh, we're free-willed here. I, I got a lot of buddies that aren't, you know? And we talk about it all the time. And it's like, you know, but, but you know, you're, you're taking away from God, God's power and giving it to yourself by saying you can do these things. And I say, no, 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 no. God has done that to himself. God has said, you do it. I'll set those boundaries for myself. I won't touch that. I'll let you act upon that and deal with the consequences. It is interesting to me in verse five, this is what it says. It says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, it shall be, the Bible says. If you obey and do what I'm asking you to do, then it will be. That is God setting up direction, specific parameters in what we're called to do versus what he's willing to do if we comply with him. Israel obedience was the most important element in fulfilling God's future purpose for them. So now that we know that the plan and what the plan was, God gets practical, which leads us to our second point, the wonder of the law. What was the law? Is the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Then, then, then God gave the people all these instructions. You know, I, I like that. Is God specific with us? Would you agree? I think God is very specific with us. The only problem is that we don't want to be compliant to what he's asking us to do. It's not lack of knowing the law. The law was never meant to bound people. We need to stop telling ourselves that a relationship with God requires bondage. It requires bondage to God, but it's true freedom. You're like, but, but I'm being asked to do all these things for God when I'm in relationship with God. That is true freedom. The Bible says you serve somebody. So you're either serving God or you're serving your personal sin. You're either serving God or serving the enemy. You're bound to something. In Christ, we find true freedom. 
In fact, in Galatians chapter chapter 5, verse 1, it says, don't go back to the bondage you once experienced. Highlighting the effect that a relationship with God is the only way to experience true freedom in our lives. The law was never meant to bound people. Instead, it was meant to set them free. As a youth pastor, I always ask myself, how do I have a good relationship with this teenager? And the parents come up to me and say, can you talk to him? Please change him. Do something. I can't get through him. And I will talk in some cases. It's not 100% proven. I will talk to these teenagers and had a better relationship with them. And in a lot of ways made an impact in their lives. And I was reading a book later on that said, teenagers don't rebel against authority. They rebel against lack of relationship. As their youth pastor, I had a relationship with them. So when I say to them, hey, I don't think that's good for you. They're like, you know me. We have a relationship. You understand me. So what you must be saying is true. You know, I'm not saying as parents we should become friends of our teenagers, okay? You still have an authority role to play in your lives, but rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. It's an equation. The struggle you may have with God is not because you don't understand the law. You may have a problem with the relationship you have with God based on what he's asking you to do. Oh, man. Jeez, I need to calm down. Yeah, I'm getting into this. You know, the the law he was giving them was just to guide them in the right direction. There was no doubt God himself wrote this. And it's funny because I I, I read this quote once and it it really marked, it said, the mark of a disciple is his or her ability to hear the master's voice. You know, and, and, and we don't ask, we don't need to ask for directions. He's already convicted us of certain things to do. If God's rules are not the problem, then what is it? It may be that your relationship with God is lacking. If you're having that much trouble with complying to the journey of God and the process that he's putting you through to the point where you say, Moises, I see no wonder in this. There is no admiration to this process. Then there may be a problem with the relationship itself. You know, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments in in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31. It says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than this. Look at the person next to you and say, wow, you are important. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You didn't have to do that, but thank you for doing it. It's that simple. You know, it's funny because it says love in here. Love is not the problem. Love is the solution. We get so caught up and I, I can't love that person. It's the solution to the problem. It's love. It's not the problem. God is asking me to love somebody. I know that is the solution to the problem. Loving God is the solution to the problem. Loving your neighbor is the solution to the problem. You know, I, I believe 
people today have a problem not falling out of love with God. They're really falling out of repentance with God. It's an acknowledgement of how obedient they need to be to him. It's not that they don't love their creator. It's that they refuse to comply. God has made this life pretty straightforward. He is not going to play that game with us. When he encounters Nicodemus in, James, in, in John chapter 3, verse 2, Nicodemus comes to him with all these courtesies and all these things. It says in verse 2, it says, Teacher, we know you are the teacher sent from God because no one could do the miracles you do unless God is with him. And Jesus disregards the compliments. Go straight to the point, straight to the problem. No chit-chat. Verse 3, it says, I tell you the truth, so unless you are born again. He doesn't say even thank you to Nicodemus. Go straight to the source. It says, unless you are born again, you cannot be in, the king, in God's kingdom. Straightforward, straight to the heart, straight to the problem. Pretty much telling him, listen, you can't, you can't make the blind see by turning up the lights. You can't help the deaf hear by turning up the volume. You can't just change the outside of your appearance and neglect the inside. It's two different approaches. Nicodemus thought the person did the work. God says, I do the work. Nicodemus says, you have, it's a trade-off with God. Jesus says, this is a gift from me. He said, a man has to earn it. And Jesus says, no, you have to accept it. You have to accept it. It may be hard for you, but it's pretty straightforward, guys. Jesus didn't just give us one drop. That's not the way the Father works, no. no. He doesn't charge us for a little. He doesn't charge a lot for a little. He freely gives what is too valuable for you and I to afford. So we have this covenant with God, and we say, well, the covenant is the, is the, is the kind of like the ultimate plan of the people, and then the law becomes that practical application of God's relationship with the people. Where do we go here? Well, what's left is if we accept this thing, and we, we comply with this relationship, then it's the wonder of God's glory to expect. It says in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, it says, Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. And all the people answered with one voice, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Unanimous compliance. People willing to accept, no matter the consequences, what God, the almighty creator, was asking of them. How impactful would it be that we would take our lives and comply with everything God asked from us? This is usually when we die. It's not God lacking in his direction towards us. It's just us just not complying. And it's funny because what usually breaks us down is the fact that things usually don't look like we expect them to look. I've always been memorized by the story in, in, in Numbers chapter 21 where the snakes come into the camp. They start biting the people. Okay? And they start dropping dead. So they call Moses in and say, Moses, pray to your God that he would take away the snakes. All right? And did God lift up the statue of the snake and says, every time they're bitten, tell them to look at the statue and they'll be healed. Take perspective for a second there. 
Could you imagine? But God, we wanted the snakes to disappear. You mean to tell me I still have to be bitten by the snakes? To then look at some statue and then I'm healed? Yes, that's exactly right. Expectation is what kills us. Because we believe things should happen a certain way. And in the process, we miss the wonder of what God is doing in our lives. We miss the ability of knowing that the almighty God is at work, even in that difficult moment. Disappointment is caused by unmet expectations, but disappointment is cured by revamped expectations. By looking at ourselves and saying, God, you know how you deal with discouragement? You go back to the story. You read it over again. You tell yourself. I've always been amazed with the, with the idea that people used to tell me early on, don't look back for anything. And I said, I'm going to look back if I have to push myself from it. I'm going to remember the story. You know when you get under the pool and you're pushing yourself off the wall? The same concept. You may have to look back. You may have to remember the story. That story is yours. They crossed the Red Sea. That's your story. God was with them. They received food from God from heavenly places. That's your story. Joseph forgiving his brothers that betrayed him. That's your story. You may have to remember it. You may have to recall it. Those two disciples on the, on the road to Emmaus, remembering about their Savior, acknowledging that, wow, he was among us. I love the, the verse in Luke 24, 32, where it says, it felt like a fire was burning within us when Jesus talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures. You may have to remember the story. Your life may feel bland today, so it may cost you to just look back a little bit and remember the story. Because I don't want you missing on the wonder of God that is happening to you today. You know, let the blood of what Jesus has already done trump the unmet expectations of your life. I'm going to finish with this. Exodus 24, verse 8. I think this is so powerful. It says, then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people and declaring, he said, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. No chit chat. No confusion. Straight, straight to the point. What marked the people? The blood. You know what is interesting about that statement is that Moses says, look, after he splatters them with blood. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, if God said, look at Moses, what would it look like? What would that reflection of the blood look like if God said, look, Ben, look, Ricky, look, Styles." What would people see? Would it look hopeful? Would it look concerning? Look. Look. We know there's blood through Jesus. We know there's a covenant. We know there's a law of instructions. 
we know the blood has been splattered. So when I say look, what would people see? What would show off the most in our lives? What would be the one thing we would reflect if I said look at their lives? It is a witnessing concept. Moses said, look, I wonder if you're missing out on the wonder of God because of your unmet expectations. If you're having a hard time seeing past what God is really doing or living in the moment and being amazed by the things God has done, I could keep you here all afternoon telling you stories after stories. I'm sure if I handed out this mic, you would have countless stories after stories of the wonder of God. Maybe you need to look back. Because friends, don't miss the moment. If you've already been splattered with blood, what are people seeing? This call is twofold. It's personal or blessing for a relationship with God. And it also has a secondary effect on the people around us. Our family, those we work with, the church family we live with. So as you bow your heads this morning, I want you to reflect on that one question. If I say, look, what would people see? What would be the thing that drives your life? Is it wonder? Is it admiration for the season that you're in with God? Or is it disappointment, discouragement? fear, doubt, and those things that God never called you to. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, here we are. A group of people who have actively, actively exercised the redemption of our lives with your blood. I just pray, God, what is it that we're expecting from you? Let us not for one second miss the wonder of your work in our lives. You're pretty specific with us, simple, in fact. You've already been convicted. And, and a lot of times we say that we don't know what to do, God, but I'm, we kind of do. Lord, help us. That as we may grow in relationship with you, we would be connected to the source of life, that one who gives us all direction. Let us reflect your sacrifice in the way we live, in the way we express ourselves, in the way we interact with one another. That if someone ever said, look, they would see you. They would see your forgiveness. They would see your mercy, your grace. They would see your love, God. <laughs> Let us acknowledge repentance in our lives, God. So we may walk closely with you in everything that we do, God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for being so good. You have done so much for us. And even in the most difficult of seasons, we can still make that statement, God. We are unworthy of all you do. And time and time again, you do it. Thank you, God. Let us not forget who you are, who you've been, and who you will be in our lives. We love you, God.
and we thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Give God praise this morning, real quick. So before we go on the way in, you know Easter is coming, the foundation of our faith. Amen? Yeah, this is when it all happened. All right? So um, we, we have these touch cards that talk about our service starting on Palm Sunday at 1030. Invite someone. The reason why we're giving the touch cards, it's not because the service times are changing or anything like that. No, it's because we want you to be proactive in, in including somebody. Let's not be selfish about our faith. Amen? Let's invite somebody. Easter is a big Sunday. It's where we declare the, the, the resurrection of our Savior, and that's a moment to celebrate. Can you agree? Amen. Yes. Another thing I want to do before we leave real quick is I want to honor two people in the room. Can we agree that marriage sometimes is a difficult thing? Now, I'm not going to preach about marriage. We're leaving. Hang on. We have Jim and Bobby in the house today. I'm going to ask them to stand right where they're at. Today is their 57-year anniversary. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for them, keep their son Eric in prayers as well. But I'm going to pray. This is an amazing, something to look up to. Amen. I've been married for 15 years. i got a long way to go here. Amen. Let's just, as we dismiss, let's just bow our heads and pray and pray for their marriage and pray for God to continue to bless us this week as we go along with our week. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. God, what an amazing thing to witness two people together in that binding contract with you for such a long time, committed to one another, God. Thank you for allowing us to experience and see examples like these that we could actually reflect upon and, 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 and just compare to, Lord, something to look forward to, God. Thank you so much. I just pray that you would ask, that you would bless their lives, that you would help them to continue to move forward, that you would let them enjoy one another like they've always done, God. I lift up their children their son, Eric, God, would you heal him, help him to experience you in a different way? Lord, I know that that would probably be the best gift for them in their anniversary is to see something happen in his life, God. I just pray that you would continue to bless them, be with them, God. Be with us as we head on to the rest of our week, Lord. Let us put to practice the things that we have learned and honor you as we do it. We pray all this in your name. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.